Welcome to the podcast of Wiser, women in surgery at the Emory Residencies, where we share the careers and life stories of Emory surgeons across all specialties to recognize the diverse achievements happening right here at our own institution. Okay, welcome back to the Wiser podcast. Imagine spending years in training, finally becoming a practicing surgeon, and then having a successful, happy practice. Then life happens, and you find yourself moving to a different country in a language you don't know. How do you pick back up, resume your job as a surgeon, learning a completely new culture and language? Hi, I'm Vivian Wang, a PGY-5 in the Emory General Surgery Residency Program. And I'm Nuseba Baker, a fifth-year MD-PhD student. Our guest today is Dr. Gabrielle Miotto, who is an assistant professor of surgery in the Division of Plastic and Reconstructive Surgery at Emory, and also the associate program director of the Emory Aesthetic Center Fellowship Program. We're really excited to have the opportunity to work with you, Dr. Miotto, and interview you here in Atlanta, but you're actually from Brazil, where you grew up and lived for the majority of your life, including obtaining your medical degree, general surgery, and plastic surgery training at the Federal University of Rio Grande do Sul. Tell us about growing up in Brazil and what it's like to pursue medicine there. What are the, some of the differences in training and practice? Thank you so much for having me. This is so exciting, and uh, congratulations to the uh, people that thought about this, um, and it's a pleasure to be here. So, yes, I am from Brazil, and, of course, you can hear my accent because I started learning English after I met my husband about 10 years ago. Uh, I grew up in Brazil, trained in uh, my medical school was at the Federal University, which is a large, um, very... Uh, complex and uh, the best system for training in medicine in Brazil. And then includes a, a full scholarship, but um, it's six years of training in medical school. We don't have college in Brazil, so you go from high school to medical school, and medical school is six years. So once you graduate, you go to residency like here, but you apply to individual hospitals. It's not like we don't have a match system. And for the pathway in plastic surgery, it's basically the old combined program that the U.S. used to have, which is general surgery first and then plastic surgery. Once you graduate, usually you choose your pathway. I have always been in love with aesthetic surgery. I didn't decide to go into plastic surgery until my last year of medical school. But once I fell in love with it, I did everything I had to do, like most Students everywhere, when they decide their pathways, you go, you observe people, you work with surgeons that you think uh, inspire you, and that helped me pursue the career in plastic surgery. So once I graduated, I moved to another city in Florianópolis, to Florianópolis in the south of Brazil. is a beautiful island. My parents lived close by, and I joined a nice uh, private practice of my good friend, Carlos Casagrande. He is a very well-known plastic surgeon in Brazil who worked a lot with um, facial plastic surgery, but also every cosmetic surgery. He was a pure cosmetic private practice. So I joined him. I was his first assistant assistant in the beginning for the majority of the cases, very high-volume practice, and I learned tremendously from him as well. And then I started my, my career in the same clinic. So we worked together, and I just started building up my practice. Then at that time, I got divorced from my first uh, marriage. And a year later, uh, I ended up 
introduced to uh, my current husband, who is also a plastic surgeon, but he was American. He was a, we met in Brazil in a plastic surgery meeting. He was one of our guests. And a friend of ours kind of set us up, basically, <laughs> at the meeting. <laughs> and then we dated um, no long distance for a while. I really loved my practice in Brazil. I always wanted to be a plastic surgeon. I couldn't actually not be a plastic surgeon, I think. I don't know if I would go into another specialty. But making, you know, being in Brazil in a very beautiful place and, you know, when you have education and you have a good job, Brazil is wonderful. It's a third world country, you know, in developing country, but it has a great uh, quality of life. It's uh, different than here. It's a little more, you know, you focus a little bit on your more in your personal life, in your family life, in your health, being in nature. And I am by nature like that as well. So being close to my family has always been very important. So this decision to transition from Brazil to the U.S. Uh, was not an easy one. It took a while, but um, I decided at that time to invest in my personal life. So that was the reason why I came to the U.S. I thought that it would be much easier for me to go back to my professional life in another country because I have always been a hard worker and I trusted that in my abilities of going back to work at some point. But I was my heart was here in the U.S., so I had to kind of let that alone for a while and then come, and I'm glad I trusted that feeling because it has been 11 years and everything is good. <laughs> it's better, actually, than what it was 10 years ago. So that was my initial uh, thought into, you know, the, the, the life in Brazil and transitioning it. So you, when you first came to the U.S., you were in Charlotte for a couple years while you were taking your steps, and then you found an opportunity to come here to Atlanta doing a, a plastic fellowship here. Um, and you also had an interest in education, so you got your master's in education. Um, why did you do all this, and um, how, how did you find these opportunities? When I decided to move from Brazil to the U.S., although I was investing in my personal life, it was very clear to me that I'll never give up plastic surgery because that's part of who I am. So I grew up in a family where all the women worked outside the home and they were very proud of their work and they would always be independent. Mm -hmm. Being independent to me financially, professionally, mentally, it's very important and it's also part of who I am. So being not being able of being a plastic surgeon was never a thought so if i was would not find a pathway in the us i had a plan with my husband that we he would go back with me to brazil <laughs> so <laughs> he would probably have to go to the same pathway in brazil uh, doing his boards in portuguese but he could also do something else, and that was okay with him. <laughs> so I had a lot of support from him, and that actually was the critical point that made this all happen. So I didn't come here, you know, with the thought that, okay, I'm going to give up everything and whatever happened, I'm going to be just a wife at home. I think it's totally okay for people that have that want to be like that, but I'm not like that. I've never been. So you just have to be true to who you are and what is really important to you. 
So the, the thing was, okay, let's find a way because I'm not going to be sitting at home and not being a plastic surgeon. So I never stopped attending meetings. I never stopped going back to Brazil to work with my other colleagues or and things like that. I didn't stop publishing and, and studying. So I never really mentally left the plastic surgery world. So after you completed your fellowship, you actually... Um, because of a rule that Georgia has that you can't practice unless you've had one year of training, you came and became an intern in the Emory General Surgery Program, where I, I think I was a second year at that time. Yes. And um, that's how I, I got to know you. What was that like, having senior residents who were so much more junior to you, especially, in, I mean, you were essentially an attending. What was that like for you? That was challenging. That was a little bit scary. That was actually important because that made me understand things about the the American system that made me meet people and know how people work and how you know what things are different or similar to Brazil and actually I found more similarities than differences and it made me push myself to really like just do something that was kind of against my wills in a certain way, but actually was an amazing opportunity because that was the opportunity that was given to me so I could go back to what I really wanted to do. So I think when you have a focus on at the end and just keep your mind at your prize, you kind of, you can do basically anything. So I met like so many wonderful people like you and like my co-interns that we are, you know, we still keep in touch now. And everybody was so welcoming and, and respectful. And I think, you know, you just see that you can really navigate a lot of things that, that were really strange to me and different, mostly because of the language. I did not speak English when I moved here. So I kind of, I did a lot of coaching and training and things, but presenting a you know, a patient in the morning, in the rounds, like for peds uh, overnight. Uh, <laughs> it was really challenging because there was, a, there, there was a certain way that was what was accepted or not. And you're just like, oh, my God, I just screwed up on this one. I have to <laughs> figure out how is the best way of saying this. I don't even know what kind of word should I be using. But, like, I had the best co-interns, Amanda and uh, yeah, Jessica. It was just amazing. A dream team at uh, PEDS. So on that topic, which you're clearly very interested in facial rejuvenation, what is exciting for you to do here? What do you think is the next best thing that you think will become more popular or that you think people should consider or that you particularly love doing? Yeah, so what I have seen over the years is that some sort of the, the maintenance of the, the skin health, the, the facial health, and the small improvements, they start much earlier than when I, when I was in practice 12 years. No, how many years ago? Oh, my God. Yeah, 12 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so people are much more open for non-surgical procedures earlier in life, such as Botox, fillers, chemical peels, small procedures like using your own fat to regenerate volume in the face, like fat grafting. They're also more open to 
maintenance thing. So they'll come back more often instead of doing something every, you know, five years. So, okay, we can do a little bit now, but we don't need to do the whole thing right away. We keep improving it or we keep maintaining it even after a surgical procedure. So I think a combination of surgical and non-surgical is really part of modern contemporary plastic surgery. It's not like a, just a radical thing once and then because plastic surgery doesn't stop aging plastic surgery improves aging and makes things look better long term but nothing is forever even a surgical procedure is not forever it's not not like you took a gallbladder out and it's fixed you're not going to have another gallbladder and you're fine of course, we talked about how you're a huge advocate for wellness. Um, and we were wondering for all of us residents and medical students who are busy and budget conscious, um, what are your must-dos to care for your body and your skin um, and keeping your skin as bright as and as beautiful as yours? No, thank you. That's sweet of you. <laughs> yeah. For all of our listeners who obviously don't have a visual part to see, Dr. Miyoto's skin is gorgeous, always. <laughs> Well, first thing, you got to eat well. I'm sorry. You can't have, you know, candy is great, but it's terrible for your health and your skin. So, yeah, every once in a while, I love sugar. I'm kind of like just love sugar. But I learned that it's just not good long term and has not, you know, I grew up out of uh, probably a sugar pot, like just everything had sugar. But it's not. So you have to learn what, what's good for you health-wise because eating, you're just the fuel you put in your body. You're not going to buy a BMW and put whatever crappy fuel in it. Okay? So treat your body like a very high-end car mm-hmm. and treat, take care of it because that, that's what is going to take you everywhere. And then you're going to look good. Mm-hmm. Second thing is exercise. Mm-hmm. It's proven, you know, exercise increase. Endorphins and all, it like triggers all the good hormones that should be circulating in your body, improves your sleep, which is a great thing for skin health and for looking good. So I think exercising is the second thing. I am probably lucky because I actually like exercising Mm -hmm. because I have a very good response to endorphins, I think. It just like makes me feel good, makes me sleep better, maintains my weight, and it's just like uh, I feel... I feel very good about it. Skin, like just um, external things you can do is like for number one, sunscreen. So aging comes a lot from some da- sun damage. So if the skin texture and color is good, you usually look younger. So skin protect- sun protection, there is no really healthy way of sunbathing your face. You can do that for your body because, you know, you can hide. It's not really at your face, but your face you cannot really. If you want to have, you know, long-term good skin, you shouldn't be take sun straight on your face. Mm-hmm. So always a hat when you are outdoors in the sun and always sunscreen when you wake up in the morning. Mm-hmm. That's it. Always, always, I do that always. And that is proven. It will reduce skin cancer first, but most, most importantly for aging is UVA. So even when you are indoors with fluorescent lights, they do have UVA. That's why when it's cloudy outside, you should be wearing a sunscreen anyways for UVA protection because it, when it's cloudy outside, UVA passes the, passes the clouds. You know, it just goes through the clouds. It's not that you don't have physical sun touching you. You have UVA touching you. Mm-hmm. So sunscreen, 
a good moisturizer, keep the skin clean, you know, take the makeup off at night, every night, even if it's just with a normal cleanser and sunscreen during the day. Of course, there are many other things that you can do, but this is like really low maintenance, you know, low budget, and it's something really effective. I may or may not know this from experience, but um, for those of you who don't know, all Emory employees and students actually get 25% off products and services, surgical or not surgical, at the Emory Aesthetic Center. So uh, we recommend you go online and check out the services that they provide. And I actually think you actually educated all the general surgery residents when I worked with you about that whole OR light thing and still wearing sunscreen when you go to work because as an intern, and especially as a junior surgery resident, I was like, oh, I'm never outside anyways. I don't need to wear sunscreen because it makes my skin feel oily and all this stuff. So for a while I didn't. And then especially the forehead is always exposed. And so now I've like definitely slathered it on my forehead every day, even if I'm not going outside. Well, thank you so much for taking the time and allowing us to come to the Emory Aesthetic Center to interview you here. Um, what is your social media handle so that our listeners, if they want to follow you, can follow you? Yeah, so it's at uh, Dr. Gabrielle, one L, Mioto, two T's. So Dr. Gabrielle Mioto. Okay, wonderful. All thank right. you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to today's Wiser podcast. Hope you join us next time for another great interview.